You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. All right, greetings, everyone. This is Leadership Powered by Common Sense. I'm your host, Doug Thorpe, and today we're going to uh, take a little bit of a detour, maybe, uh, or some will think of it that way. I want to talk about consistency, and that may may be a strange theme, but uh, my guest today is a great shining example of that. His name is Kevin Palmieri. Kevin, greetings. Welcome to the show. Doug, thank you so very much for having me. Hopefully we can make it land for the listeners so they it's not a detour. It's a, we'll just say maybe a bridge. That's what yeah, we'll go for. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, a, a new journey, a new <laughs> journey. Yeah. So when, when I alluded to the consistency thing, the reason I bring that up in Kevin's case, uh, Kevin, tell me what you were just sharing with me as we were uh, coming out of the green room to get this thing started. You're a podcaster and how many episodes have you done now? Uh, yeah, I think our 1,000 1070th dropped today, I believe. Wow. So yeah, over a thousand. I am in awe. I am in awe. We're, we're, we're coming up on our hundred, uh, first, first hundred. And that, uh, I, I know what that's taken to get there and man, uh, for you to have a thousand out there. Good for you. I appreciate that. And, and I asked you the question, how long ago did you start on that? 2017. So a little over, I think it's been five years and four months. Yeah. Yeah. But consistency is the key to it, right? And if if I might, I'm just kind of dive in right there. So, as that journey unfolded for you, and that was that was the the business focus you wanted to be about, right? Yep. So, uh, how did that come together, and and what were the kinds of lessons you were learning along the way there? Mm. It's it's interesting, Doug, because I never planned on being a podcaster. I never planned on being an entrepreneur. That was never something I reverse engineered. I was very unhappy at a job that was paying me a lot of money. I ended up having suicidal thoughts. I said, look, I can't do this job anymore. And I had this small podcast at the time. So I left my job and I went full-time into what I'm doing today. I found a wonderful business partner who had similar core beliefs, core aspirations, and core values. And that was the the very beginning. And I learned very quickly that self-improvement, personal development, whatever you want to call it, I'm going to learn more about myself than anything else. Yeah. And I learned very quickly that if I wanted to be successful, I had to figure out what the biggest bottlenecks for me holding me back were. And initially it was lack of confidence. It was low self-esteem and it was being insecure about not being good enough. And that's really, really where I started this journey. It was self-awareness. The The podcast at the beginning, Doug, was called Hyperconscious. Hyperconscious, oh, wow. acutely okay. aware, right? <laughs> Asking why, why do I feel this way? Why don't I feel good enough? So yeah, the beginning of the journey for me was understanding and asking myself simple questions. Why am I thinking this way? Looking at the fact that every failure I've ever had, I've probably taken some part in. So having the ownership and the humility to accept that and then saying, okay, what can I learn today that'll make me a little bit better? That's really where I started. It was just the fundamentals in the very beginning. Powerful stuff. I think that's so very valuable. And those are, you packed a lot into that statement that those are lessons that a lot of people take many, many years into their adulthood to figure out if, if in fact ever they do figure it out. Yeah. 
I, I believe leadership is an interesting thing where people think they can lead without having done. And it's very challenging. If you're not working on yourself at a deep level, it's going to be very hard for you to lead effectively. You can only lead to your competence, right? And that's why in the beginning, I realized that I'm not going to be able to teach people anything that I haven't experienced, I haven't learned, I haven't practiced. I won't say mastered because I don't think maybe I'm good at some things, but I haven't mastered it, quote unquote. So that was a very humbling thing for me of I want to get really good at a lot of things and I want to be able to help people with a lot of things, but my leadership will be a bottleneck if I haven't experienced it. Yeah. I like to try to lead by example. I think that's the best form of leadership is leading by example. Watch me do this so you believe I can do this. So ultimately I can teach you how to do it. But there's obviously some painful failures in that as well. Well, that's an interesting theme that uh, perhaps a lot of people that might be listening right now don't understand or haven't been informed about. But for those in, in my crowd who have been um, in military service, you you're probably aware of the fact that at all of the uh, military academies and even some of the programs like myself, I graduated from Texas A&M, was in the Corps of Cadets, largest uniform student body outside of one of the academies. We, um, we're taught that in order to be a leader, you first have to learn how to be a follower. So that's why the freshman and maybe even sophomore years are so legendary difficult because mm. uh, you are treated as the low of the low and, and not to be mean, but to be subjected to all forms of followership before you get into leadership. Yeah. And then you graduate up beyond that and start learning how to be a leader so it is a uh, a very humbling experience to to really spend the time, invest the time to do that. But I like your point too. The other thing you were touching on is the idea that to be an effective leader, we first have to figure out how to lead ourselves. Mm. Yeah. And if you've got a bad habit or a bad uh, mindset or a behavioral challenge that you haven't tackled and overcome, you're not going to be a very good leader, plain yeah. and simple. I think that oftentimes we we hear the word leadership and we feel ego that comes with leadership. And I think sometimes ego comes with leadership because the leader isn't leading their own life and they subconsciously know that. They know when I leave here, I'm not the person that I pretend to be in front of everybody else. If you if your actions are not consistent with your words and your thoughts, it's going to be very hard to lead people because I think people know that. I think at a level, people understand you're not walking the, the talk and you're, you're talking about doing something, but you're not leading it. If you tell people, you know, in, in this company, in this culture, in this environment, we are blank and you're not a shining example of whatever that is, it's not going to stick. It's, it's just not going to stick. People are going to see right through that. Right. You're you're very accurate with that. the uh, The whole idea of uh, fake it till you make it that fake it part is is very noticeable, and yes. and people's BS meters go off all the time. You know, people are pretty intuitive when they know the person that's supposed to be their manager slash leader when they're not being genuine about what it is they're saying or doing that that just it might as well be a bright shiny light yeah yeah and i think think of it this way 
a leader that you trust is a leader that you are going to buy into. And I we're we're in a different time now where we don't have to lead by fear. You can lead by example, you can lead by trust, you can lead by vision. It's just a different time now where people want to feel they want to feel safe. They you know that's that's an important thing and if you don't do the work on yourself to understand what that means, yeah, it, it's interesting. You used to be able to lead with fear and just say, well, do it or else. Now you have to understand people. You have to really, truly have emotional intelligence, and that requires working on yourself first. Yeah. The, back in the day, when I first went into the work world, the common term for all that was command and control leadership style. And people kind of immediately equated that with the military. And I was quick to caution people that ironically, yes, military is big on talking about having the chain of command, but it's not at all. The, the best military leaders don't use the power of the emblem on their collar to influence people. They use their personal skills and their ability to relate and inspire to motivate people to do these incredible things they've got to do. Mm. And I agree with you. I think we are in a new time and I, I hear it everywhere I go and leaders I'm talking to, they're, they're feeling the pressure that the workforce at large is saying no more. I am, I'm not going to suffer that. You've got to be a different kind of manager. You've got to be a different kind of leader for me or else I'm going to go do something else. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting time. It's the, the tides are shifting. The mood is shifting. The, the intention behind leadership is, is shifting as well. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit. You've got a couple of things in the notes here that we were uh, kicking around and talking about, and you, you touched on it kind of in your explanation of your journey. Mm. So we talked about, uh, a, a little bit about self-awareness and building confidence and finding purpose and those things. So, so let's kind of break those down. Uh, let's, let's start with maybe the notion of self-awareness. If you don't mind, what was your journey like when you had to dig in and, and uncover and acknowledge and recognize some, some of those key things? It was, uh, digging was very muddy. I, I, for me, Doug, a lot of this started through pain. The pain created the necessity for me to reflect. So I had a relationship and one day my girlfriend at the time came to me and she said, Hey, I want to move to California. We lived on the East coast. She said, I want to, I want to chase my dreams. I want to live my dreams. I want to go out there. I want to explore. And I gave her every reason in the world why she shouldn't do it because I was scarce. I was afraid of being left behind. I thought she was going to fail. Insert excuse here. And she ended up leaving me. She chased her dreams and she ended up leaving me. And that's the thing she should have done. But when she left, here I am stuck asking myself these questions in this house by myself. Uh, is anybody ever going to be able to love me? Am I broken? And I had this, this, this impactful, painful realization. I am at least 50% of every failed relationship I've ever had. That was such a powerful thing for me to look at because... What happens when we break up with people? We say, oh, that person's crazy. That person was this. That person was this, blah, blah, blah. We don't ever say, oh, this is the mistake I made. Oh, I could have done better with this. I didn't do as well as I could have here. So that's where it started for me is saying, okay, why didn't I want this person to go chase their dreams? Oh, because I was afraid they were going to leave me behind. Okay. Why have all these other relationships failed? Oh, because I've abandoned my friendships or whatever it may be. 
the the process of self-awareness for me started by asking myself why and reflecting on my past and saying, okay, what happened in my past that created this behavior and how is that behavior brought me results? That was the initial thing for me is asking myself, why am I thinking this way? Why am I not thinking this way? Giving myself a painful answer and then using that as an opportunity to make a change. But it all came from me asking myself difficult questions. You know, that's uh, um, kudos to you for making that pivot and, and asking that those tough questions because those are hard questions. It's so easy to try to sweep those kind of breakups under the rug, just mm -hmm. blaming it on the other person saying, well, you know, they were the problem. They were, you know, the reason this all happened. I'm wondering, and, you know, this may be incredibly personal, but do you think you were a hole when the relationship started? No, 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 hundred percent not. No, I, I, I think that I assumed having blank relationship would make me feel a certain way. And when people, when people say, Hey, you should go be by yourself for a while. I think this is what they're actually saying is, Hey, you should go work on yourself and make sure you are a piece to the puzzle that you can bring to another piece of the puzzle. No, Doug, I definitely was not whole. I was hoping that the things around me, the money, the body, the car, the, the woman, they would make me feel whole. And yeah. that is not a good way or a good place to start a relationship or, or anything really, you know? Well, and, and again, thanks for being candid about of that. Course. And I asked that question for a real reason. And I uh, was reasonably confident, even though this is not staged and you and I hadn't planned on this, but um, that's been my experience. Uh, virtually a hundred percent of the people I know that have been through a failed relationship when they do get honest they will acknowledge that they were not whole. There was a gap somewhere. Whole W-H-O-L-E versus H-O-L-E. And, and, and it is the whole H-O-L-E that causes the problem. And I've, I've told all my kids as they've grown up, and they're all young adults now, I've, I've told them when it comes to relationships, if you've got something you need to be working on, it's not fair to the other person to expect them to be the solution of that. Mm, it's powerful. And you can, you can still pursue a relationship and be with someone, but if you've got a thing you need to work on, disconnect it. I mean, you, you need to go do that work and not expect the other person to be the one that's going to make it whole. And I've, I, Friends have heard me say this, the one line out of the movie, Jerry Maguire, when they say, you complete me, mm. that's the worst <laughs> relationship message that I've ever heard out of a Hollywood movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even relationships. I mean, think of, what do you think, not, not you, but the collective you, what do you think a midlife crisis is? It's you assuming for a long period of time that something external will fill an internal void and right. you get all this awareness at once of, oh my goodness, have I lived my life completely wrong? Right. It's, it's that is, but we're not, most people aren't taught that. Most people are taught that you're going after happiness and you're going after success, but nobody really teaches you what quote unquote happiness is, or they don't say, but come up with your own unique version of success 
to chase. I think we're looking for fulfillment. I believe, so this is my frame, Doug. If this episode goes well, results. If, then, I will be happy. Doug will like me and I will be happy. Regardless of how this goes, I will be fulfilled because I am in the process of doing something that I am aligned with. And I think that's a good frame for life. Happiness is results-driven. The girl made me happy for a while. And then I realized, well, this isn't what I needed. This isn't what I wanted. So yeah, it's really, that's what self-awareness is. Why am I chasing this? What do I think it will bring me when I get it? And if I don't get it, will I still be, quote unquote, happy and fulfilled? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting question. And I'm, I'm going to reply with a slightly different spin on that. And I'm, I'm going to reference a book that I frequently use in, with some of my coaching clients who are farther along in their careers. Maybe they're either approaching or going through what classically is called midlife crisis. But more importantly, it, it's just the, the fundamental question of, is what I've done enough? Is it significant? Does it matter? Mm. And the book I'm talking about was written by a guy named Bob Buford, and it's called simply Halftime. <clears throat> and what Bob does in the book, and Bob is now deceased, by the way, but he's a great guy and great leader. Um, he tells the story of his own journey, and, and there was a tragedy in his life. He lost uh, a son in a drowning accident, whitewater rafting deal, and um, um, caused him to reevaluate everything about life. And as he reflected, he came up with this metaphor of a football game. You know, team goes out, plays the first half hoping to win, you've got a game plan, you're working hard, and then the clock runs out and there's this halftime break where you could get to go in at halftime and evaluate what you've done. Was it good? Are you ahead? Are you losing? Do you have to come from behind? You know, what are you, what's going on? Now you've got the second half to make it right. And his argument was our lives are really lived in two halves. The first half is about struggling for success However, you may define that might be bank account, might be status, title, fame, popularity, notoriety, whatever. Mm. But inevitably, you will hit that sense of halftime and you're going to go in and evaluate and you're going to realize what you're now going to want to work toward is significance, not success, but significance. Again, purpose and meaning, you know, is what I'm doing aligned with a, a greater good and a greater sense of purpose. And so I think that's a very profound way to look at things. And I've, like I said, I've used it frequently. I, I often get asked by big companies to come in and work with senior leadership teams. And when I finally start working one-on-one -on -one with people, <clears throat> I'll have an executive sitting across the table from me that's only two years away from retirement. And then he's saying, why does a company want me to do this? You know? I got, I got, I see the light at the end of the tunnel. I'm, I'm done. I mean, I'm, I'm not angry. I'm not mad. I, I'm just, I don't understand. So inevitably what I will ask them is, all right, you know, that's a fair, fair position to be questioning. But my question to you is, have you thought about your legacy? Mm. What will it have meant for you to retire in two years or three years or whatever it is? is there still a chance to change the story that's going to be told about you as this lifelong person who worked here? Mm. 
And without exception, and I've been doing this for a number of years now, without exception, when I pose that question to people, they freeze in their tracks, mm. you know, and the answer is no, I haven't thought about it. Or if I have thought about it, I have no idea what to do about it. And that's where we begin our work to kind of map that out and basically write the story. So um, it, it, it really is uh, a pivotal and, and powerful point in life. And I, I think in many ways we kind of said the same thing. Yeah, that's, that is very powerful. It's, and I, I agree. I think something breaks the paradigm. Something breaks the normalcy of this is what I'm doing. For me, I, I was 26 and I debated suicide. Everything shifted, right? Like that was it. It was, well, when you're that close to perceived death, everything that you think is important either becomes more or less important. And then you change things. So I think that's that's very profound. Yeah. Yeah, it 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 really does. And um, I want to, I, I feel compelled and I do this in my own sense of, of ethics about my practice of executive coaching. Uh, I, I want to make a statement to the listeners. I am not a licensed psychologist and I don't think Kevin is either. I'm uh, not. Nothing we're saying here should be construed as advice from such a professional. And if you're listening and thinking about things and we're touching on some delicately sensitive areas, um, I would encourage you to reach out and find someone who is properly licensed and schooled in, in providing the kind of help and support you might need for that. Um, I, I, I do, when I say that to clients and, and sometimes in client sessions, I get perilously close to that and I have to draw the kind of white hot line mm. and, and tell them and they'll go, yeah, but it's, it's, it's feels good to talk about this and, and yeah. talking about it helps lift the awareness and helps re-engage and, and reconnect. So you got to talk about what's real, you yeah. know, and obviously you do have to tell that line, but it's a lot of us don't talk about stuff. Certain yeah. stuff we've never told anybody. And when you say it, it's like, oh, you know what? Okay. Now that I've said that it's out there, at least you can work on it after you say it. Yeah. It, it, it's interesting. I've heard this a long time, but it has just happened to come up in my frame of reference recently. Three or four times the same statement has come up. Nothing disinfects like the light of day. Mm. Powerful. And, uh, you know, if you've got that, kind of dark secret or dark concern that you're struggling with getting it out there, you know, telling a friend, telling a group, telling someone what the reality and the truth is. Uh, it, it has an almost instantaneous benefit of clearing that up and cleaning it up. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, it's, it's very hard to help on both ends. It's very hard to help somebody if you don't know how to help them depending on what they're dealing with. And it's very hard to get help from somebody if you don't tell them exactly what you need help with. Yeah. Yeah. So Kevin on your show, just uh, share with me a little bit. What What's the typical theme or topic you like to talk about with your guests? So we actually stopped having guests on a while ago. Okay. We, we do purely solo episodes and for us, it's heart driven, but no BS holistic self-improvement. That really is what it is. And we we talk to dream chasers. We're talking to people who 
they know that they want more out of life, but they don't necessarily know, is that being an entrepreneur? Is that starting a business? Is that getting a promotion, new relationship, whatever it may be? And our goal is to bring holistic self-improvement, life, love, health, and wealth. If you want to have a a better life, I think you can grow in in three different ways and then you can have a a more sustainable version of your own unique version of success. Yeah. I like that. And and I think that is very important. Um not to not to get too spiritual or sounding religious, but uh many of the world religions do professed a belief that you are created for a reason and a purpose. Mm-hmm. Your, your existence here is not an accident, and it's important to do the work to uh, study and contemplate what that existence is about and not just let it be a happy accident of some sort, Yeah, or I in think, some cases, a not-so-happy accident. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, most of us, I believe, have lived our purpose. When people ask me that question a lot, it's like, how do you find your purpose? I think you've already found it. You just don't realize it yet. That, it's an interesting thing. I mean, you can go out looking for it, but I think it's probably in your past. It's probably something you're super passionate about, you're super sad about, you're super happy about, you wish more people cared about. It's it's something, and it's probably in your past. That From what I've seen, it usually is. I, I agree with you totally. And um, I had that brought back to me in, in, in a big way in 2008, when we had the last big financial crisis here in America and all the job loss and everything, and I was working in an organization I created to help people in job transition, one of the things we worked on quite a bit was helping people connect with that sense of purpose. And one of the ways we did it was to have them create a list of key accomplishments in their life, not just in the job, but you know, what they would count as sort of milestone events, or if it was work-related, maybe a project or an assignment or something like that, and just go ahead and make a list of everything you can remember that is some form of accomplishment, but then go back to the list and start tick marking and grading. You know, well, these three I love doing, these five I did, but I don't really care, and I wish I don't ever have to do that again. Mm And pretty soon a pattern does emerge and yeah. you, you might've been long enough in the job market that you had three or four or five jobs, different functions and things. But when you start connecting the dots with those things that did feel rewarding and fulfilling, when you peel those apart and look at the core of what that was about, inevitably you find that passion you find that sense of purpose because, because you're, you're resonating with that. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's the vehicle, right? I think that's one of the things that we find, we feel like we know our passion, our purpose, our mission, but then it, it becomes, well, how realistic is this yeah. insert insert? It's like, well, what's the vehicle? What's the vehicle? What's the vehicle? And that's a, that's a whole nother conversation, but it's important to understand that there's, you might know your passion, or your purpose. You might just not know what the vehicle is. So it might not connect yet. Yeah. I like that idea. And i tell you what, on that note, I'm going to, take a short commercial break here, but when we come back, we're going to dig a little deeper into these elements of having that um, uh, sense of awareness. And we're going to talk more about the whole idea of building confidence in what you're doing. So hang with us, folks. We'll be right back in just a moment. 
Business is all about solving complex problems as fast as you can create them. Become the best problem solver by leading others to greatness too. And the first step is going to DougThorpe.com. Doug Thorpe is known globally for coaching entrepreneurs and business leaders, improving their performance and the work output of everyone surrounding them. You can find health, wealth, and happiness by learning to lead others to health, wealth, and happiness. Go to DougThorpe.com now and order Doug's books or hire him to coach your managers. That's Doug, T-H-O-R-P-E.com. Hello again, everyone. We're back. Uh, this is Doug Thorpe, and you're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense. Today, my guest is Kevin Palmieri, and we've been having a, a talk about some self-awareness, self-actualization, uh, recognition of passion and purpose. And, and one element, Kevin, that uh, you have in some notes is talking about uh, helping people understand how you can become more confident in what you're doing so let's start with share a little bit about your journey to kind of climb out of that dark chapter and and get into the light of of purpose and and sense and with that the confidence you needed to make everything change. Yeah, it's it's very interesting because I never realized I wasn't confident. I, I always thought this is just the way I am. I, you don't have anything to to compare it to. You don't necessarily have reference for what is normal. I remember that I had this unique thing where one of my fears, whether it's it makes sense or not, is walking up to a door, pulling it, and it not opening. That's just always been something that I've been afraid of. I don't know why. And when I started asking myself, okay, what's behind this? Like, why, why do I care so much about this? It's either rejection. It's most likely rejection, fear of judgment. Okay, so I dug into that. And what I would try to do is we would do something called fear chasing. So every day I would track the number of times I quote unquote fear chased. And all a fear chasing moment is, is doing something that is currently out of your comfort zone. Simple. We hear this quote often, nothing grows inside of the comfort zone. Love it. I love the quote, but most people don't tell you how far outside of the comfort zone to get. So for me, I think in my journey, I actually went too far outside of my comfort zone too often. And it actually got to the point where I was having anxiety attacks. I was having panic attacks. I'm a new entrepreneur. I'm $35,000 in debt. I'm interviewing very, very successful people. I'm building a business. I'm traveling. And I don't think I belong doing any of this. So this is what I realized. When it comes to building confidence, you have to think of it this way. You have your comfort zone, which is the bullseye. The zone outside of that is your learning zone. And then the, the final outside layer is your anxiety zone. If you want to build confidence, you have to figure out where do I feel comfortable, where do I feel stretched, and where are my hard no's. If you can live just outside of the comfort zone where you feel stretched, I believe that is where you build confidence. And here's why. When we're thinking of a fear, I think a lot of us look up and we see the summit of this mountain. We say there's no way we could ever get there. Don't worry about the summit. Worry about the next highest peak. When you get to the next highest peak, you can see the next highest peak and the next highest peak, and the next highest peak. It's not about facing all of your fears overnight to become more confident. I think it's about facing the next one that seems mm -hmm. realistic to you. You get a new level of confidence based on, well, that went better than I expected. I didn't, I didn't expect that to go that well. I can try something new. So I think we have to just look at it as a small day-to-day -day habit. It's not going to happen in one experience. It's not going to happen in one event, but it can happen every day by you being, and you use this word earlier, Doug, intentional. 
I am intentionally going to do something that scares me a little bit so I can get a result I never would have gotten so I can prove to myself that, wow, this is something actually in my competence level. I can actually do this. Yeah. You know, it's interesting in the uh, realm of management leadership talk and, and theory, there's a common phrase people refer to, they call it the imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. They, they've been promoted into a job and into a responsibility, and now they've got a team of a certain size or a book of business that has a certain volume to it, and they, they have this inherent fear that, why me? Why did they pick me? If, if, if anybody ever figures out how inadequate I am for this role, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm toast. And inevitably, when I have a client who comes to me and begins sharing something like that, what I will ask them to do is, all right, you know, let's step back a minute. Let's, let's draw the roadmap of how'd you get here? What, what events and circumstances happened that got you here? And inevitably, there's some form of reasonable progression in other words, they they were maybe with the company working in a certain role and they got exposure to certain things and then they got promoted. Or uh, I, there have been cases where I had one executive I was working with. He was hired by a company to take a role with the specific intent that in a period of time future, he was going to replace the senior guy mm. in this line of business. And he went to work, took the role. It, they, the company took about 18 months to transition and have the senior guy retire, leave and go. And this new guy was going to move into that role. And he, that new guy was my client. And he said that, and I started working with him just at the point he had moved into that new position. And he said, you know, I've spent 18 months getting ready for this. And he said, now that it's mine, he said, I feel like an imposter. Mm. So we started peeling that onion again. And uh, we got back to the idea that you deserve to be there. You know, there's, there's a good reason you were given that opportunity. And, you know, why do you have that unnatural fear? And part of it is the comfort zone idea, you know, mm. no doubt having the final and ultimate responsibility, you are stepping out of that comfort zone. You are in that growth ring, trying to stretch a little bit and, and advance a little more. But um, it's just a, it's a strange human dynamic. <laughs> it is. I think it's a deep belief that somebody is going to recognize the thing that we're afraid to be bad at. It's like, Somebody is worried or you're worried that somebody's going to come in and say, mm, I can see that you're not very good at blank. And you're going to say, yep, that's exactly what I was afraid of. When realistically, number one, to your point, somebody thought you were ready. They, they wouldn't have promoted you if they didn't think you were ready. And maybe you're not fully comfortable there yet. It doesn't mean you can't start. You might not go from not knowing to being the best. You might go from, I don't really know how to do this to I asked for help and I got a little bit better. I think it's normal. I, I think it's normal when you start something to kind of feel like an imposter and it's okay. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean it's a red light. Maybe right. it means it's a um, move forward with caution and intention versus right. I'm not going to do it at all. 
Right. Well, the the interesting thing is most everybody I've had a chance to work with and talk to about this, when we sit down and really start thinking about it, wherever they are in life today and whatever this challenge is today that's making them feel this imposter thing, somewhere back in life, they had an experience that proves to them I had to go through something new and different that I wasn't familiar with or wasn't fully ready for. And I made it, you know, I, I we're uh, here at home. We're having some discussions with our grandkids or I, who had to start a new school just, you know, recently. And the, the fear of the unknown of what the whole thing with the new school is going to be about. And I, I'm talking seven, eight, nine year old kids, you know, um, but then the first day came and went, and they were home having dinner. We were talking to them. Well, so how was the first day? Oh, it was, it was fine. <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> and whatever those fears had been is kind of related to this whole imposter idea, but it, it is a fear-based emotion. Yeah. yeah. The unknown is only unknown for as long as you don't know it. It's like the faster you try it, the faster you have awareness, and at least you can make a more, I won't say intelligent, a more aware informed yeah yeah. that's that's really what it is is i always use the analogy i said this one of my during one of my first speeches and my first speech was the one of the scariest things i've ever done in my entire life but i remember saying for many of us our fears our comfort zones are this fence and we're not we don't allow ourselves to go on the outside of this fence because we assume everything bad is out there but that's where everything good could be too and it's that understanding that maybe you'll see something that you love that you never would have seen if you didn't give yourself at least that chance to explore you don't have to live there but maybe take a look and see what's there for you right well there there is actually a, a teaching in one um area of leadership development that I, I work in, we, we talk about those same circles you describe, you know, at the core is your comfort zone and you've got that little band of, of development opportunity, but real innovation and creativity is way out on some edge. Mm. And so the challenge for a leader is to get comfortable and build your agility to be able to go out to the edge work around there a while, you know, hammer at it, touch at it, kick at it, work it, and know that you can come back to your comfort zone, healthy and whole without, you know, losing a lot. And ultimately, in terms of leadership skill, it's not so much about how well you do out at the edge, but it's more important about how agile you are for moving back and forth from go out to the edge accomplish a few things, come back, you know, re-energize, regroup, recenter, whatever you want to call it, and then know that you can go do it again. So it's that yeah. little bit of elasticity for moving back and forth. And where leaders get stuck, or I should say not really a leader, but a person in management who's not doing well with leadership, they stay camped out in that center. They're not willing to go to the edge. They're not willing to grow and expand. And I guess that same philosophy is exactly true in what you're describing, just in in a life experience way of thinking about it. It's all connected. It's all connected. The fundamentals are the fundamentals, and they apply to everybody fundamentally. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Very interesting. 
So let me ask you this. Let's go back to your podcast. A thousand episodes now. Any any revelations you've received in in doing all those shows? Yeah, I think for me, I I started out with a very fixed mindset. I, I didn't think any of this was really possible. So for me, it's really helped me have the perspective of what five years of consistency can do. When you have five years of content and you can look back on your first episode, which it is not good, but when you look back, you can see, wow, so much has changed, not only visually, but energetically and what's going on in my life. So for me, it's really helped me see perspective, but at a deeper level, it's helped me see perspective in other people. I know people who, because somebody believed in them and led them in an effective way, they went from not believing they could go back to college to going back to college and getting a 3.8 GPA and then getting the job of their dreams or not being or not having the confidence that they could attract a partner into their life. And now they have their dream relationship and they're married. It really had sh has showed me the importance of community and what you surround yourself with, you will ultimately get more of. And you got to make sure that what you're surrounding yourself with is aligned. And that's that's a big lesson for me that I've seen. The community aspect of the podcast is such an important facet of it. Yeah. Well, that's a I think that's a great point. And and actually you said a couple of things there. The um you know, watching people have the same kind of experience, uh coming to their own realization of of purpose and direction and, and then going out and making it happen. Uh, as I did say earlier, I love the word being intentional. When you get a fix on an idea, call it a goal, call it a dream, call it a hope, whatever, but you want to go work it, be intentional about it. You know, if it, if it's a really hairy, audacious goal, great, but you know, break it down into bite-sized chunks and be intentional about going and getting a little bit of it done every day. Yeah, whatever it takes, however many steps it's going to take, however however much lifting you've got to do, be intentional and don't let the day burn by without doing something toward that goal and 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 help make it happen. Um, the other thing is, I love what you said about surrounding yourself. I will. I'm not going to go into all the details, but I will share that. I've just recently made two fairly major decisions in, in my business life, uh, severing some relationships I had in business that were very negative sources of energy for me. Mm -hmm. And um, it was dragging me down. And, my, you know, my wife had challenged me about it for some time. And I finally did what I needed to do from a, a thought process to get comfortable with just pulling the trigger and saying, we're done. We're not, I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. And I tell you just almost on the spot, the, the whole change of, of energy and sense of purpose and being able to reconnect and, and get the haze out of my head. And um, because the challenges that those two situations created were huge distractions in my mind. I, I fundamentally couldn't, think perfectly clear on everything else I was doing because there was something about those were always in the, in the back, you know, um, banging pots and pans or making noise or whatever, however you want to think about it. And, and now they're gone and man, I'm, I'm, I'm having a blast. <laughs> it's like, yay. <laughs> well, it's so important to revisit. 
right? Mm. Like things happen and they start. And then sometimes we just, to your point, you're not intentional. It's just running in the background and you're like, ah, I'll look at that later. I'll look at that later. I'll look at that later. And then it's a three years down the road and you haven't looked at it. So it, yeah, it's, it's the words revisit are powerful words because it you're looking at something from a new level of awareness. You have a new level of proof. You have a new level of results. And you can say, is this actually working now? Or now I have enough proof to know whether or not this is actually worth all the investment I'm putting into it. I think the challenge is, I, I think that's good and, and fairly it's easier done than just said in a lot of aspects of life. But I tell you, one of the big ones where people get stuck is in a relationship you've found yourself in. Mm -hmm. In my case, I'm saying it was two business relationships, but I'm, I've seen a lot of people that, you know, get into personal relationships and they go on, they struggle and they fumble and they, uh, deal with the frustrations year after year after year. And pretty soon they get to a point and say, well, I can't break this off. Look at all this time I've invested. Yeah. Well, no, <laughs> <laughs> you, I mean, literally, yes, maybe you burn the clock, but you know, have you really accomplished anything? Has that relationship grown into anything that's valuable and meaningful? And, um, people struggle with being able to uh, come to that realization and say, nope, I need to end this. Yeah. It's a challenge. Relationships are so personal. You know, you can change your car insurance. It's easy, right? It's like, oh, this isn't working for me anymore. I'm going to go. But yeah, relationships are very personal. This is a great question. I always, I always suggest this to people. Are the, and you can fill in the blank. Usually I say, are the people in your life the best from your past or the best for your future? Are the people on your team the best from your past or the best for your future? Just because you used to do things together doesn't mean you're going to do things together in the future. Mm. And just because it used to be the best use of your time, the best use of your love, your energy, doesn't mean it's going to be in the future. And it's a challenging question, but I believe some of the best questions in the world are the most challenging ones and the ones that require courage to answer and do with it what, you'll what you will, but I think it's worth at least exploring. I think that's a very great way to state it. And as you were describing that, I was thinking about a number of small business owners that I, I know about. And one of the classic challenges, somebody who's created a small business and they've grown a team and they're trying to scale the work, they will get to a place where the business has started to grow and it's gotten to a certain size. And they start to realize that some of the early people that were on their team are no longer good fits for the team. Mm. So it's your point of, you know, the people from the past, are they going to be best for the future? And that gets down to what we were just talking about, breaking a relationship. But it's it's highly important sometimes that a business owner looks at, at the team you've assembled. And if you've got somebody that's no longer going to be a good fit for the shape, size, and direction the business is going, part of the game is making that tough call and saying, you know what, George, you know what, Sally, I, we can't do this anymore. Um, thank you for everything you've done for me. I do appreciate it, but I'm going to go another direction. Yeah, that's and the problem with a lot of entrepreneurs, sometimes that Sally or George is a relative or a friend. Yeah. Well, that's that, that is the challenge when it's, it's friend and business that makes things so so, so, so challenging. So challenging. Terrible, terrible. 
Well, Kevin, I tell you what, I think we're uh, about out of time here for today, but this has been awesome, man. I, I really appreciate uh, you coming on and being so incredibly transparent and open and uh, honest with everybody. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate the wisdom, Doug. I appreciate uh, the perspective that I gained from you as well. And I'm grateful that you had me on. Yeah, thank you. Hey, if uh, somebody listening right now wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, you can. I'm big on social media, so I like being on Instagram. If you want to reach out to me on Instagram, my handle is at neverquitkid, or you can just shoot me an email, kevin at nextleveluniverse.com is my email address. Great. And as always, we'll have those links in our show notes for this episode if you uh, didn't catch them on the fly there. And... Um, Likewise, we have a video edition of this over on YouTube channel by the same name, Leadership Powered by Common Sense. You can hop over, and if you've heard the excitement and energy in Kevin's voice, you'll uh, you'll get to see his smiling face over there on the video and in, enjoy the time we, we had together. So, again, one last time, Kevin, thanks, man. It's been Thank great. Thank you. All right, everybody, we're going to wrap this up. Thank you for uh, spending your day talking to us or listening to us anyway. Uh, but speaking of talking to us, if you'll hop over to any of my social media locations where this episode is uh, publicized, uh, please leave us a comment, send me a note, drop me a line. Let me know if you want to hear something else on the show. And if there's a topic or a theme you're um, hungry to hear about, would love to get that information and take care of doing that for you. So one last time, we're going to say goodbye and thank you. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.